In this episode, I talk with Iman, a fourth-year medical student applying into internal medicine and one of my good friends from medical school. She talks about her experiences adjusting to the field of medicine and her interest in critical care and medical ethics. We talk about the loss of her grandmother during medical school and the ways in which we as medical students are sometimes ill-prepared to deal with the murky territories of grief, death, and dying. Hey, Iman. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast today. We're happy to have you. Thanks for having me. Um, So tell me a little bit about yourself. So my name is Iman, and I'm a fourth-year medical student um, applying into internal medicine, which is exciting. Just submitted applications for residency. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you. So exciting. (laughs) We're just talking about it's also a very stressful time, but also exciting. You know, you're getting to the end of med school and the end of this journey, which is... It's, I don't know, it's like a big accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the end, but also the beginning. I know, it's yeah. It's like the beginning of the rest of your life. Yeah. But it is, you're right, it is the end of like a very interesting and difficult four years, but yeah. also like very rewarding four years. Um, tell me about like your journey into medical school. How did you decide you wanted to become a doctor? Yeah, I think, so I went straight through from undergrad to med school, and I think my journey to medical school was pretty conventional. I think what it was like the cerebral aspects of medicine that kind of like were interesting to me and the the idea that you can like solve people's problems with like a very specific Mm skill set and um, apply, you know, things, subjects that I liked, which were science and um, the humanities and things like that. Um, But I think now in medical school, I have definitely found different interests that have have driven me to like stay, want to stay in medicine and help me kind of find where my interests actually lie. Um, But I actually think it's really hard to have that clarity when you're in college, like applying to medical school. I think a lot of people actually don't, I at least did not know what I was getting myself into when I was applying to medical school. Um, Even though I have physicians in my family and I I feel like I did have that exposure to the field, I don't think anything really prepares you for medical training until you actually go through it. Yeah, I agree. I took one year off in between undergrad and med school. And still, like, I don't think anything really prepared me for the process. You kind of like, you know, you're driven to go down that path and you're like, yes, I'm going to do this. You're so like gung-ho about it, but you don't know what to expect. And it's almost like, I, I, for me, it was like a culture shock. Like I was like, oh, wow, like this is, it's almost different than I expected um, in a lot of ways. So I think it's just like the challenge of it and the the dedication that you have to give of yourself, especially for patients, is something that is unexpected and you have to kind of get used to, but also rewarding. For sure. Um, so tell me about like your experience so far in medical school. Any um, experiences that you had were particularly meaningful for you or just like an overall, you know, how, how has it been? Yeah, I think in medical school, at least for the first couple of years, you're kind of like floundering to gain your footing at the beginning and develop some some level of a yeah. knowledge base. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of like medicine in the early stages of training is like about gaining that like comfort and confidence in yeah. the clinical setting. And that was definitely, I feel a barrier for me because I felt younger, like less experienced, um, less outspoken, like than compared to like a lot of my peers. And I feel like yeah. that really um, impacted the way that I like 
interacted with like my clinical rotations in the beginning. But then as I kind of went through clinical year and sort of gained a little bit more of that confidence in the in the clinical setting, I feel like I kind of also explored things outside of medicine or things that intersected with medicine. I felt a lot more confident and comfortable in my career yeah. choice overall. Um, and then I, yeah, I explored things like outside of clinical medicine. I did some work in clinical ethics, um, which was really cool. And then I also spent an extra year doing my MPH, which yeah. was, um, which was a, a good sort of perspective into like the greater, greater health systems level issues that impact patient care. Um, so I think all of those things were all very meaningful for me. Yeah, that's so interesting. I think you've like touched on a couple times of like, you know, you have this drive to go into medicine, but once you're in medical school, it's like you still have to find your purpose and your meaning for staying there, especially the first two years for us, I think, are particularly hard because you're just so new to everything. Like you're new to the learning all this material, but then new to the clinical environment for us. And it's it's hard to kind of find your footing in that that space, but you have to continually kind of find your purpose and also like those meaningful experiences that make it worthwhile for you. Um, and you talked a little bit about the different things you did in medical school, but I first want to ask like what specialty you're applying into or you just applied into and how you decided on that. Yeah, I so I just applied into internal medicine. Um, I feel like it was a like a diagnosis of exclusion. <laughs> I feel like I went through everything, liked everything. And I also think internal medicine was my last rotation. And, and I think I really feel like my mindset going into the rotation and kind of having the experience of clinical year under my belt really did impact my outlook and and made me enjoy the rotation the most so I think it was partly like yes I I love internal medicine but also because I was like in the right place at the right time I feel by the end of clinical clinical rotations um so yeah and then I I feel like internal medicine is like broad enough for me to kind of still explore those like intersecting interests with medicine but I do want to specialize as well and I've had really great experiences on all of my like internal medicine subspecialty rotations as yeah. well, um, and kind of gotten to see like how different subspecialties think about different problems. I've been on yeah. a lot of consult services over the past couple of months, and it's really cool to see how like interdisciplinary internal yeah. medicine is sometimes. So I yeah I enjoy those aspects yeah. of the specialty. Are there um, any specific um, subspecialties that you're interested in, or are you still like open minded to any of them? I really enjoyed my ICU rotation, my ICU oh, sub yeah. Um So I'm definitely thinking about critical care as a specialty. I think, one, the medicine is interesting, but two, the patient population is really interesting to me. And um, this kind of intersects with some of the work that I did with like clinical ethics, but a lot of the ethics consults that yeah. I was involved in had um, were for patients who were in the ICU or yeah. were critically ill. And a lot of end-of-life discussions and conversations Um, with families and patients and I feel like that aspect of the subspecialty is also just like a a very like vulnerable and and unique space to be in I'm I'm thinking about pulmonary and critical care right now but I have enjoyed I've enjoyed other things as well so I don't know I'm not locking myself in yeah definitely and you have tons of time to decide too throughout residency I think it's so interesting that idea of like I think about this all the time with people's specialty choices like is some people will be like, oh, I just had this like meaningful experience on this one rotation. And like, what a like interesting like way that like a coincidence almost like yeah. things had to kind of fall into place. Like you had to choose to do that rotation and to work with a specific person and to have this experience. And that ends up like changing the course of your life sometimes. Like I 
I really thought about peds specifically when I rotated through the NICU and I was like, it just, I happened to choose the NICU and I happened to really love the rotation I was on because I loved the people I was working with. But I'm like, that's so interesting that then that kind of changes your decisions in your course of life. Obviously people have things they're interested in at baseline or skill sets, but I'm always curious about, you know, the specific meaningful moments that kind of make people say like, oh, I might want to do this for a career. I think it's like really, I, I don't know, it's cool to think about in that way. Um, Almost serendipitous. I know. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting. Yeah. Well, can you tell me a little bit more about your experience with ethics and with the clinical ethics rotation? Yeah, so I spent six months on the clinical ethics service here and kind of was just basically involved in every single ethics consult that happened in the hospital. Wow, that time. so cool. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a really just rewarding and interesting experience overall. I, I got to be a part of and sit in on a lot of really difficult conversations with mm. patients and providers and families. And I think it really just made me realize that there are so many gray areas in medicine. Like mm-hmm. even even after you've like established this knowledge base and you become competent in your fields, mm-hmm. you end up still finding yourself in situations where you don't know what the answer, the yeah. right answer is. So it was it was cool to see physicians like still having sort of, I guess, like, I think it was, I will rephrase and say, I, I would think it was humbling to see attendings, like, still have, like, questions and uncertainty about mm-hmm. the way that they were managing patients, even if they had been doing it for, you know, years and years and years. And so I think, like, as, like, the ethics committee, you kind of serve as this third party that yeah. is um, providing input um, without really being involved in like the actual clinical decision making of the case. So yeah, I I feel like I got to see some very like difficult moments that patients were experiencing and um, also got learned a lot about like how to communicate in those times and how to be empathetic in those situations. For um, those listening who maybe don't know, like what sorts of things does the ethics service get consulted for? Like I'm even curious myself because I think the only times I've really seen ethics maybe getting involved or talked about getting involved is in like child abuse cases where there's kind of sticky issues regarding like medical care and who's like the medical decision maker or like you know things like that but um, I'm curious what other sorts of things ethics gets involved with yeah so I previously mentioned like end-of-life decision making sometimes when yeah. patients and their family members might have different ideas of what a patient should be doing at the end of life in terms of like continuing like aggressive medical care um, or not a lot of like legal issues like oftentimes intersect with medical ethics as well so issues related to guardianship or capacity competency and then yes the child abuse cases that you mentioned i've definitely seen some of that there is such a huge spectrum of of issues in ethics what role do you feel like you want ethics to play in your future role as a physician, if any, um, you know, do you hope to continue some of that work or what what role do you think it plays in the medical profession? I definitely want to be, continue to be involved in ethics consultation wherever I go, whichever hospital I go to. I, yeah, I definitely see myself doing that. Um, I also just feel like the skills that I learned from being part of ethics consults can be applied to like literally any patient interaction and any, um, I think especially if I'm like considering 
pulmonary critical care or any, honestly, any specialty where you have to like sit down with patients and discuss difficult topics, which is basically every specialty. Yeah. Um, I think those lessons still stand. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And like all the skill sets you learn probably during that rotation too are yeah. super valuable to have yeah. in medicine. Yeah, I think it's like y- you often find yourself in situations where emotions are running high, but people have very different ideas about what to do and like figuring out how to navigate that space and trying to bridge different perspectives and try to find common ground is honestly a skill that like requires practice. Um, No one is like good at it from right off the bat. And I think a lot of times physicians find themselves in those difficult situations, but I think the more you do it, the better you get at it. And I think as medical students, we don't really get that experience. We get to sometimes sit in on those conversations, but we don't, often lead those conversations yeah. ever so yeah that's true yeah I think that's so valuable to learn I think even I can imagine like some you know practicing physicians haven't had much experience in that you know depending on you know what you've seen in your practice and the things you do and it, I think it takes more time than just like a couple of times to, to kind of deal with that so I think it's good to have that exposure especially in medical school and we talked a little bit about, you know, end-of-life care and, and palliative care. Can you tell me a little bit more about your experiences with, like, grief, death, and dying during medical school? Yeah, I feel like I know that pretty intimately um, because I went through the death of my grandmother, um, who I was very close with mm-hmm. during my clinical year, so during all of my core rotations. She was diagnosed with lymphoma in, like, January of that year and then by July she had passed away so it was like a very um like quick but also very long um sort of course of her illness and she got all of her care like here at at Michigan so I was like a clinical student but also a family member accompanying a patient to like their visits and sometimes doing both of those roles like within the same day so it really did frame the way that I like went through my rotations. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your grandma passing. Um, it sounds like also a very difficult time in your life to to be dealing with that and, you know, experiencing, um, you know, the struggles with being someone caring for someone, you know, a loved one um, who's ill, and then also being a clinical student, um, and then also dealing with the grief afterwards. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about, like, what that experience was like, especially, you know, navigating that role as a clinical student and balancing being a family member. Yeah, I would try to find time during my rotations to like sneak away during a lunch break or like whenever there was a lull and just like go find my grandma if she was in the hospital, if she's at an appointment or she's at like a chemo infusion or something. And um, I think because clinical year is so fast paced and there's, you know, you're, you're studying and you're taking exams and you're, you know, you don't really catch a break. I don't think I really processed that experience until way after, like after I was done with, with all of my exams and rotations and really thought about what the experience of like grief is like, Mm -hmm. um, especially as you're training um, to prevent other people's grief. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Like, like a lot of, like moments come to mind where I've seen like attendings go through similar experiences. Like they'll, they'll have like family emergencies or they'll have like a family member in the hospital and will like often minimize the way that they like the impact that it has on their day or on their life. um, Just so it doesn't get in the middle of work. And I feel like there's this sort of like unspoken expectation in medicine that like you uh, sometimes have to like hide your grief or hide your pain or, 
yeah, not let it impact like the rest of your life. Which is, it's kind of crazy when you think about it, because I mean, as you know, future physicians and, you know, as medical students, we've seen potentially seen patients die or see other people's grief all the time. And we, you know, that's something we'll deal with throughout our career. And then as human beings, that's also something that we'll experience, you know, everyone experiences loss and, and grief at some point in their life. And it's interesting to think about how, you know, we normalize grief as, you know, a part of the death and dying process as, you know, physicians, but then can't experience it ourselves or, you know, don't feel comfortable experiencing it because we're, you know, in this profession that kind of demands a lot of us. I wonder if you've kind of like thought about that uh, kind of double standard for physicians and what it means that, you know, obviously clinical year is really busy, but what it means that, you know, you had kind of had to postpone thinking about it or processing that grief until, you know, a time when it was less busy for you. Yeah. I think medical training really teaches you how to compartmentalize. And like sometimes for good reason, right? Like you want to make sure that when you're making decisions about patients and, and you're thinking objectively, you're thinking rationally. And it's important for you to be like in a healthy mental state when you make those types of decisions. But like when those things happen in our own lives, I think the unfortunate byproduct of it is that you like sometimes it's hard to process or yeah. sometimes maybe we over intellectualize like medical issues that we ourselves might be facing or our family members might be facing. There's like there's a time on one of my rotations that I like now think back a lot on because I think it really speaks to this like hidden curriculum like in medicine. And this is when my grandmother was she was pretty sick and I was working a night shift in on one of my surgery rotations and um, she was in the ED after like a chemo appointment overnight and I didn't mention this to like anyone at the time while I was on the rotation but Mm -hmm. I would try to find ways to go see her like in the middle of the night when I whenever I had like a spare moment I would like take a bathroom break and then go see her in the ED or like between cases if I had a couple extra minutes I would just go like say say hi to her but then so we were like in back-to-back surgeries like overnight and then like around 3 a.m we finished our last case and my resident was like okay like you can go back to the call room and you can go sleep and then I'll page you like if anything happens so like obviously I'm like let off for the night so I go downstairs to the ED to go see check in on my grandma and I run into that resident like right there and he looks at me he's like what are you doing here like I thought yeah I said you could go to the call room yeah and I had to like admit to him like at that point that like yeah my I my grandma was in the ED this entire night and I never mentioned it to you and he was like so kind and empathetic in that moment he was like you you should have the rest of the night off but I like really think about that because I'm like why did I feel the need to just like hide that like part of my life I don't know yeah yeah I think it's interesting and maybe it like also depends on the specialty too and like the level of, I mean, surgery, there's like a level of physical demand and sometimes even like mental demand on, you know, surgeons um, to be, you know, their schedules can be much more variable or longer hours and things like that. And so I wonder if specialty plays into that at all Um, because I think some, some specialties, but I think it also depends on like the individuals while like they have more leeway for emotions and like personal things that come up in in medicine because I think emotions are like always a part of the medical like or the 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 clinical interaction um but you know sometimes we want to deny that that is happening in the physician or the caretaker you know we can always be impacted by 
patients we see or we can, you know, be thinking about, you know, a sick family member who's a couple, you know, rooms down, you know, and, and I think that that always plays a role in how we're interacting with our patients. We kind of like to pretend like that's not true. Um, we get sometimes more, I don't know, like this vibe of like, this is how I should behave and when I'm working under this circumstance or you know, I don't want to come off as that way to, yeah. you know. I think yeah. I think the fact that I was on a surgery rotation definitely did play into that because I was like, I have to take this very seriously. Yeah. And I, you know, like yeah. there's certain etiquette that you learn about in the ORs and like on surgery rotations, certain stereotypes about the specialty. Yeah. Um, but I will say that like there are those attendings every now and then that you yeah. run into regardless of specialty that – really like like you said like they, they'll say something or they'll do something then you're like wow that is a really cool way yeah to like think about this or to like approach this and I I'm like really thankful for those like small moments yeah. that I sometimes have with yeah. attendings or like some things that I admire about people as I yeah. kind of have gone through yeah. rotations you see like uh, more like <laughs> sounds bad but like more humanness you know like yeah. of, of these individuals like it's not just like we're sticking to the book on some things. I, I like when you can see more of like people's personalities and like humanness when you interact with them, especially attendings who can be kind of scary in medical school. <laughs> Are there any specific moments that you've had where you're like, that's something I want to like emulate as a future physician? Like any anything you can look up to as kind of a role model? I think I really, as I've as I've completed my like core rotations, I'm moving now into these electives and sub eyes and things like that. I've really been paying attention to bedside manner. Yeah. And I, I think that is really what sets, like puts, uh, or distinguishes a like good physician from a great physician is like yeah. those extra couple of seconds that you do spend in the patient's room yeah. when you like make sure that all of their questions are answered. Um, even like delivery of information in, in sometimes like very life altering information or, um, like a confusing diagnosis, the way you talk about it, the way you discuss it. I think like just certain words and phrases really go a long way. Yeah. And I think like sometimes I just think about like how vulnerable like it must feel to like be in the bed, like staring at a bunch of people. Yeah. Like you're already like laying down. You're kind of just like out. You know, I, I yeah. feel like if you put yourself in the patient's position, it's really scary to yeah. be surrounded by like all these people who like know more about you know, your body than you do. So I really have like, and, and not just like attendings, residents, like nurses, like I, I feel like people that I like work with, I, I try to pick up on like little things, whether it's body language or language or verbal language that they say that like I, I noticed made the patient at ease or made the patient feel comfortable. Yeah. It's like this other aspect of medical school knowledge, like the body language, like verbal, how you communicate things is super important. I feel like I've noticed myself doing that too, like watching how people communicate things, which is like, I love like getting to be the one who's like seeing the patient, interviewing, like doing all that. But sometimes I just like, like to watch someone else do it because you can learn a lot. Like you learn how they do it and you could say like, oh, I like how they did that. Or I would like switch how they did that. you like, I think it's really helpful to be able to, to see other people do things. And yeah. I actually think there was only really room for this type of learning. Like after I had learned the bare, you know, like the bare yeah. minimum of like medicine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like now I'm more attentive to these details yeah. after I've kind of completed like all yeah. my board, like board exams. Or yeah. Because now you're like, oh, I'm going to be doing that. Like, yeah. you know, taking on more of that responsibility soon and going into residency. Yeah. There's something about like also having been a patient or being like a family member or a loved one of a loved one who's also a patient. Like you kind of get to experience it as consumers of healthcare as well. And you get to see 
you know, how people do things and, you know, how they provide care. And I think that can be also like very vulnerable, like being in a position where you're no longer the, in the seat of power, um, but yeah. also really rewarding when you have like really good care and can see, you know, people doing their best to provide, you know, really good care for, for you or for your family member, um, which I also think is something that, you know, provides another aspect of learning for like medical students or like anyone going into medicine too. Like you get to learn by being in that position too. But I don't know if you felt like that was something that was also played a role in how you kind of like thought about yourself as a physician as you like were going between these roles of like medical student, but also like the loved one of a sick family member. Yeah. I, I think now like I see patients and I, when you when you've gone through an experience like that in your life you like see those people in your life as your patients like yeah. I, I will like catch glimpses of my grandma or like other people that I've like that I have been had I've seen gone through like medical issues um in like all of the patients that I meet now and I feel like yeah. it does humanize like the experience a little bit when you are able to relate like on that personal level yeah and then how do you feel like your like sense of professional identity has changed over the course of medical school? And it's kind of a weird question, but I feel like me at, at fourth year, I'm like, wow, I've grown so much throughout these last four years. So I'm, I'm curious to, to um, hear your thoughts on how that's kind of changed throughout medical school. Yeah, I do feel like as I progressed through medical school, I did find myself like through medicine I I do feel like my identity at this point is like pretty intimately linked with being a medical student and like now like a you know like a medical trainee and I and not in the way in which it's like oh my career is my life and my life is my career but I do feel like I grew a lot personally through my profession yeah which is I think what I, I think that's a blessing you know in a lot of ways because I think like you want I've always wanted a profession that pushes me to be better, like a better person. And I think you, I really like see that happening in medicine. That's so beautiful. I, I yeah. really like that. Well, yeah. I, I think, it, you know, when you put so much work into something, it yeah. really forces you to like confront why you do it. You know, like yeah. there, you spend so much time in the hospital, you sp- spend so much time studying, you take these like long exams, yeah. like that stuff is not really sustainable unless you have like a deeper purpose or like you found a reason to continue or to to be there every single day and yeah so I I almost feel like it's kind of you're kind of doomed if you don't yeah (laughs) yeah and I think that's like a reason why there's so much burnout in medicine is people lose that sense of purpose like they or you know they can't find what that is for them specifically because I think it's different for everyone but I feel like knowing that this is the field for you and that yes it's a difficult road but that it pushes you to be a better person or that it's kind of what you want to do with your life and that's like your purpose I think is super meaningful because it it helps with you know all the other difficulties that come with you know being a medical student or being a medical trainee so that's really that's really beautiful I really like that yeah (laughs) um well thank you so much for for sharing your story today thanks for having me yeah of course really appreciate you coming on the podcast all right thank you Thanks for listening to this episode of The Distant Moon, Stories of Healthcare Education. You can find us on oxycardia.com, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.